Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right, well, hey, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad uh, that you're tuning in today for the ninth week of our series, The Fight. We're talking about spiritual warfare, and we're getting close to the end. We still have a few weeks. We're in this little three-week part right here on authority, and last week we talked about the authority of the name of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about the authority of God's Word. Then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and then we have two more weeks after that to talk about finishing the race and uh, ending life well, and then we're going to talk about uh, building reminders of God's faithfulness in our lives so that when we come into a battle, we can remember what he's already done. I'm just as excited about the end of this as I was the beginning, uh, but you know, several weeks ago, we, we talked about the armor of God, and we talked about the, the final peace, which is the sword of the spirit or the word of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the authority of God's word, uh, because according to that armor of God passage, the word of God is our weapon, right? In fact, it's the only weapon listed in the armor of God passage. Everything else was used for our defense, So when the enemy comes and attacks us with his lies, it's the word of God that we go to as our source of truth. It's our weapon against the enemy's tactics. So I want to talk to you today about why I believe it. And I want to talk to you about why you should believe it too, because the word of God is an excellent foundation for us to build our lives on, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, I believe that this is God's word. And when it comes to the subject of the Bible in our culture today, there are several different categories that I think people fall into. And I always like to highlight the extremes uh, because on one end, one extreme of, of this spectrum, we have this intellectual arrogance, all right? And people on this end of the spectrum are like, well, I'm too smart to believe in that. I'm smarter than anyone who would believe that ancient book. I'm smart enough to know that that clearly did not come from God, that God didn't reveal that to us. And I think it's pretty scary that people put themselves in a position where they're such an expert that they just rule out the authority of scripture, right? But for as many experts as there are that choose not to believe in God's word, there are equally as many people with degrees and with initials after their names that do believe in scripture, all right? At the end of the day, we wanna be careful about that intellectual arrogance. So on that end of the spectrum, we have intellectual arrogance. And on the other end, that's also dangerous, we have blissful ignorance, all right? And this is where a lot of people like to hang out. There's a lot of people on this end of the spectrum and they're Christians, all right? And they have big questions, but instead of seeking to answer them and learn, they just ignore it. These people, they keep their heads down and, and when the Bible says something that might be difficult for them to understand, they, they overlook it, they ignore it. That's blissful ignorance, all right? And like everything else, God doesn't intend for us to be on either extreme end of the spectrum. So in the middle, when it comes to the word of God, there's this this faith that is also reasonable at the same time, all right? And I believe that this is faith that God gives us. In the middle is this faith where God gives us this ability to understand and trust his word, all right? 
And when we put it to the test, it stands every time, all right? Because when I think about the Bible, something that always comes to mind is, is how valuable it has been throughout the history of the church, all right? And if we go back to the beginning of scripture to today, it was very valuable for a very long time. And it seems like the further we get away, it's getting less and less valuable, all right? Especially in America. And I've shared this before and I'll, I'll share it every time we come back to scripture is that I have friends that are, that are missionaries in, in another part of the world and, and what they do, literally what their, their, their ministry is, is they, they watch for the wind, okay? And when the wind comes, they have these balloons and I have some of them in my office. I should have brought one here, not that you'd be able to see it from where you're sitting, but on the balloon is printed the Gospel of John in Chinese, okay? And when the wind is right, they fill up these balloons with helium and they put them up in the sky and they blow over into China, all right? And people have this word, okay? And in other parts of the world, there are countries where a Bible gets into the country and everybody might have one page of of that Bible, but here's what they're doing. They're living that one page, all right? They're memorizing that one page. They're studying it. They're, They're meditating on it, yet we have the whole thing and we have to blow the dust off of it before we read it, right? It's becoming less and less valuable to us. But there was a time, in fact, there have been several times in the history of the world where there have been very few Bibles left in existence, all right? The very early church leaders were somewhat responsible for restricting access to scripture. They didn't want everyone to have access to it. And there was this group called the Donatists, all right? And what the Donatists would do is they would take scrolls that they had and they would hide them all over the place, because they wanted to preserve the sanctity and the holiness of scripture, so they would hide it. And a lot of them lost their lives trying to protect God's word, but the Bible survived that, all right? And then it, and then it was, was uh, more accessible for a while, and then the dark ages came, and coming out of the, the dark ages, there was some restricted access to scripture, but then in the, in the Renaissance era, there was this atheist who decided that it was his personal mission that by the end of his lifetime, the Bible would be eradicated, that it would be no more. And he decided and declared that by the end of his lifetime, no one would be foolish enough anymore to believe in scripture. And he died, okay? And a guy named Gutenberg bought his house and started a printing press. And the first thing that he printed was the Bible, all right? So if we fast forward to today, there are now billions of copies of scripture floating around the world, all right? You can have it on your app. You can have access for free to the entire Bible on your phone in hundreds of languages, right? So despite the fact that it's been banned in certain parts of the world, despite the fact that people have been beaten and killed over it, God's word is still reaching people every single day, all right? And there was a time, even uh, not very long ago, when certain parts of the Old Testament were hard to piece together. There were missing pieces. There were no complete manuscripts. And in, in, in the last century, they found these scrolls called the Dead Sea Scrolls that someone hid in these caves, all right? We found these, these manuscripts that were thousands of years old and they were, they were uh, full copies of Isaiah, full copies of, of Daniel that completely confirm what some of the other incomplete manuscripts say, all right? So all of that to say, throughout history, the Bible has managed to survive, all right? 
The Bible has managed to, to change a lot of lives. It's managed to influence culture. It's managed to, to change the course of history and it's completely changed my life, all right? So as we talk about spiritual warfare, as we talk about how the battle begins in the mind, as we talk about the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we talk about how Satan tries to convince us to believe his lies and how that leads us into temptation and sin and brokenness, we need God's truth to overcome these lies, all right? We need God's word to be the source of our truth. So my goal for you today, for us, for our time together, is to, to challenge you when it comes to scripture. My goal is to give you a challenge for the importance that scripture holds in your life. Because for me, I will unapologetically say over and over and over again that the Bible is the basis for what I believe. The teachings of God's word, that's what I believe. And it's made all the difference in my life and there's no going back, but I want to explain why, all right? And in 2 Timothy chapter three, Paul addresses this subject. So if you have your Bible, you can turn me to 2 Timothy chapter three. And Paul is writing to young Timothy who's pastoring the church at Ephesus, all right? So Paul spent some time there himself and now he's writing to Timothy there as, as he pastors the church at Ephesus. And Timothy was one of the final books, the final letters written in the New Testament. And Paul was, was a mentor to Timothy, so he's writing to him about ministry and about God's word and about what it means to lead the church. And as he comes to the end of the letter, he gives Timothy this final challenge, all right? And if you read the, the whole letter, he's, he's writing about his life. Paul's saying, here's what I want you to know. I'm about to die, I know it. I'm nearing the end of my life, I know it. So he gets very personal with Timothy, and he talks about his faith and his background. And at the very end, he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right, so this is Paul's assertion about scripture. And when Paul uses the word scripture in verse 16, he uses the Greek word graphe, all right? And this word is a word that the apostles were trained to only use in reference to the books that were inspired by God, all right? So in other words, just like we do, they had all different kinds of books, but only the Old Testament to them was graphe, all right? Only what we know as the Old Testament was, was inspired by God to them. It was a special word that was set apart, that was inspired by God. And the authors of the New Testament did something very interesting. They put each other's writings on the same level as the Old Testament. Paul affirmed the writings of Peter. Peter affirmed the writings of Paul. In other words, what you have sitting on your lap or on your shelf or on your nightstand is very special. What you have access to on the app on your phone is very special. These are writings that were inspired by God and they're powerful, right? Earlier in this passage, Paul reminds Timothy that the scriptures should be the foundation for his life. He reminds Timothy that the scriptures gave him the wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. In other words, 
God's word is the foundation for the faith that we have in Christ, all right? There's this message of the gospel in scripture that we believe it's the story of Jesus. And it's corroborated by these four eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. So he points Timothy back to scripture and reminds him that it's what's given him the knowledge necessary to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And guess what? It's the same for us, all right? We are able to believe in Jesus and know him because of what we've learned about him through scripture, right? We've read the prophecies in Isaiah. We've read about his life and his death and his resurrection in the gospel. So when Jesus came to your attention and you placed your faith in him as the son of God and the savior of the world, it happened because of the scriptures, all right? Not because necessarily of something that happened in your life, not because of an emotional experience or a near-death experience. Can God show up in all of those situations? Absolutely. But scripture is the way we have learned about Jesus. Does that make sense? God's word has the power to change everything. All right. And in verse 16, Paul, Paul tells Timothy that all scripture is inspired by God. And the word that he uses here is very special. It's a word that has to do with breathing. Right? So in other words, he's literally saying the scriptures were, were breathed by God. He breathed them into the lives of the authors who wrote these things down. God breathed his spirit into them and inspired them and used their lives and their personalities, and their their contexts, and their backgrounds. And we see all of that coming out in their various different writing styles, right? But ultimately what he did is he breathed into them what he wanted us to know. And they wrote it down. And they protected it. And they guarded it with their lives. And they allowed God to reveal himself through them. All right. So when it comes to scripture, I believe it for a lot of reasons. I believe it because of the way it's impacted the world. I believe it because of the way it's impacted my life. I believe it because of what it shows me about Christ. I believe it because it all agrees with each other, right? It was written by different authors during different time periods and somehow it tells one story of redemption from cover to cover. It stands apart in every way, all right? So Paul tells Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. It's the breath of God. It's the revelation of God's truth, all right? So when I say something like God spoke to me or God revealed to me, I wanna be very careful with that terminology and here's why. Do I believe that God speaks to us through the presence of his Holy Spirit? Yes. The problem is we don't always hear him perfectly because we're human. We hear wrong things sometimes. We get things wrong sometimes. Jesus spoke very clearly to the disciples face to face and there were times that they misinterpreted it and got it wrong. So if you ever hear me stand up here and say, listen, I know what the Bible says, but God revealed something to me and it's different. If you ever hear me say that, you should run and find another church to go to, all right? And we act like that's never gonna happen, but churches are doing it all over the United States. Pastors, Christians are saying, I know the Bible says this, but I don't think it applies to us anymore because life is different now. And God told me this, run, all right? 
Now, can God speak to us through his Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But here's the thing. It will never be in contradiction to what the Bible says. Because scripture is the final standard for what truth is because it's the very breath of a perfect God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, all right? His word is what he wanted us to know about life. So here's the question that I want us all to ask ourselves this morning. What difference is this going to make in my life? What difference is God's word going to make in my life? Because that's where Paul's going with Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul gives Timothy four ways that God's word changes us. He gives us four ways that God's word actively and powerfully challenges us and, and shapes us into the people that God has called us to be. So I'm going to give these to you. The first one is this. The Bible teaches me the truth. All right. It's the first thing that, that Paul mentions in verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. All right. Since it's inspired by God, it doesn't just teach us about history. It doesn't just inform us about stuff that happened long ago. It affects our lives. It teaches us God's truth. Again, we live in a world today where there's a lot of debate about the existence of absolute truth. People question truth, people debate truth. When it comes to, to human psychology, there's quite a bit of relativism in our minds in terms of how we perceive things and how we interpret things and understand things. But the reality is, there is truth, all right? There is certainty. This isn't a new question either. Pilate asked it when he sentenced Jesus to death. Jesus said, you know the truth. And what did Pilate say? He said, what is truth, right? Tons of people are asking the question today, but the scriptures have proven themselves faithful. They've proven themselves faithful in the history of the world. They've proven themselves faithful in my life, and I know that they've proven themselves faithful in your lives as well. So we can look to scripture and know that there are certain things that are true, and that's extremely important when it comes to how we handle these spiritual battles that we're facing every day, all right? Because let's just face it. There are moments when I don't feel the weight of truth, right? There are moments when it's hard for me to stand up to the lies that Satan's whispering in my ear. He might be telling you you're not worth it. He might be telling you you'll never be good enough. He might be telling you you're unlovable. You can't do this. You're not going to break this addiction. You're not gonna overcome this unhealthy pattern. These are lies that are whispered into our ears from the enemy. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are times when it's really hard to stand up against them, right? There are days when we just wanna give in. But here's the thing. Truth is truth regardless of how I feel, right? And you can choose to believe it or not, but it's true either way. You can decide, well, I'm not gonna believe it and it's not gonna make it any less true, all right? So when you're stuck in the moment and you're discouraged and you're stuck and you're overwhelmed and you, you don't have any more fight in you, in that moment, you need to believe the truth that God is in control, that he created the world and everything in it, that he has a plan for my life. And one day, he's going to draw it all to a victorious close. God's word teaches us what is true, all right? What difference does God's word make in my life? Here's the second way. Number two, the Bible rebukes the sin in my life. It teaches me the truth and then it rebukes the sin 
in my life. Verse 16, again, Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and for rebuking. So the scriptures help me to know where I've missed the mark. The scriptures help me to see the gap between where I'm living my life and where God wants me to live my life. The reality of sin is something that we become more and more aware of as we learn and understand scripture, right? For example, we come up against the 10 commandments and one of them says that we must never tell a lie, all right? Well, by a show of hands, how many of you have never told a lie? None, right? We've all told lies. So that means every single one of us finds ourselves in a difference between how we've chosen to live our lives and how God wants us to live our lives. The Bible constantly shows us what we're doing wrong, all right? Now you might be thinking, great, that's uplifting, right? That's encouraging. Let me tell you, it's actually a very good thing, all right? And I wanna illustrate it like this. Let's say that we're somewhere where there's an escalator, all right? Which I was thinking about this this week, and I don't know that we have an escalator in Bell County. I don't, I don't think that we do. I, you know, it's like we'd grown up, we'd go to the mall. Our mall had more than six stores and two floors and escalators. And, you know, at the airport, there's escalators. At the airport, there's even these really cool things that move as you walk on them and you're moving like twice as fast as you typically would, right? You know what I'm talking about? I would love to have those everywhere I go. (laughs) Think of how much more productive I could be if I was walking twice as fast everywhere. It's amazing, right? But think about this, okay? We're at a place where there's an escalator and we know the top of the escalator gets a little scary, right? And you're looking down at your phone and you're getting pretty close to the top and I'm watching you as you move closer and closer to the top. And I have a decision to make in this moment. And it's a pretty tough decision, if I'm being honest with you. I can either get your attention and save you from this fall that you're about to take, or I can sit back and watch it happen, right? It's a tough decision, I'm just kidding. The loving thing to do would be to say, you're headed for disaster, right? And that's exactly what God has done for us through his word. He loves us so much that in his word, he rebukes the sin in our life. Not to say you're awful and I want nothing to do with you. He actually does it so that we can find redemption and forgiveness in Jesus. It's out of love that he points out the differences between the way we live our lives and the way he intended for us to live our lives. It's a loving thing to do because he is a God of love, So the Bible, it teaches me what is true. It points out and rebukes the sin in my life. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. I have a sidebar, funny story. I was reading this verse, preaching one time, six years ago. And I got to that part. And after I said that, someone said, edged. And I said, yes, and my shirt is striped. Good deal. (laughs) For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. Look what it says, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You can go to the bookstore today after church and find a lot of great advice in the self-help section, but what you will not find is a book that has the power to actually help you live it out, all right? Because only the Bible can do that. It is living, it's effective, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, all right? It's powerful. Here's the third thing. The Bible corrects my thinking, all right? He said, all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, and for correcting. Now, you probably have some people in your life who are always happy to tell you everything that's wrong with you, right? But they almost never give you a solution to the problem. Do you have someone like that that helps you out? Yeah. We have those people at our jobs. We have those people in our families. We have those people in our churches. I'm just trying to help you out, right? No matter what we do or don't do, we just can't seem to get it right. Maybe because they never tell us what's right, they just tell us what's wrong, all right? Well, scripture tells us what's wrong in our lives as an act of love so that we can begin to seek correction as it corrects our thinking, all right? The language that Paul uses in this verse is very similar to setting a broken bone, all right? God sees what's, what's broken in our lives and he reveals it to us and he says, here's how you can correct that bone. Here's how you can set your thinking straight again, all right? So there was an error in my thinking and God's word reveals that error to me and he takes it a step further and helps us to correct our thinking. Again, because he's a God of love and because he's a God of truth, he sets our thinking straight again. Scripture gives us the instruction necessary to straighten out the brokenness in our lives. God doesn't just show us that we're broken, he helps us figure it out, all right? And brokenness is something that we talk about a lot about here at Canyon Creek. We recognize that we're all broken. We're a body of broken believers. I'm here as your pastor and I'm broken. We recognize our brokenness a lot around here. We recognize that everyone we encounter is broken, but the good news is that we don't have to stay in the same broken places forever because God loves us too much to let us stay there, all right? Yes, we're always going to be broken, but with the help of the truth of God's word, we can move forward on a better path. He gives us a better way of life. He sets our thinking straight again. What difference does God's word make in my, in my life? Here's the final thing. The Bible trains me in righteousness. So if we put the whole verse together, Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we can see the progression that's taking place here, right? God breathed his word into existence. He breathed into these apostles, these disciples who wrote it. And now it teaches us what is true. And we believe some lies, but but it rebukes those lies in our lives and it sets our thinking straight and it corrects us when we're wrong and it trains us in righteousness. That's a serious progression. It teaches us what is right. It teaches us how to live a righteous life. Now there are two aspects of righteousness in scripture. The first is the righteousness of God. 
And this is something that's given to us when we make the decision to follow Jesus. We, we inherit and we receive the righteousness of God in our lives and we get to stand before the throne of God as righteous, not because we've performed well, but because of the grace of Jesus and what he's done for us. All right, that's one aspect of righteousness. The other aspect of righteousness is that now that I have placed my faith in Jesus, for the rest of my life, I have to learn his righteousness. I have to live up to the righteousness that God has given me. And it's not about works, but God does want us to be obedient to his word. He does want us to put his principles to practice in our lives. He does want us to grow in our Christ-likeness. So we've received his righteousness and we're becoming righteous over the course of our lives. And in his word, he's given us everything we need to live a righteous life. What difference is the Bible gonna make in my life? Some of us have made the mistake of compartmentalizing everything. And we only apply the word of God to the religious part of our lives. In other words, some of us make the mistake of only opening this book on Sunday. It's only gonna impact my Sunday. We've compartmentalized and we don't apply his word to our Mondays, to our weekly life, to our daily life. We don't apply his word to who we are at home. We don't apply his word to the way that we raise our kids. We don't apply his word to the way that we communicate and treat other people. We don't apply his word to who we are in our marriages. We separate out our lives and we compartmentalize and we say, I'm going to allow God's word to impact this one day, this Sunday, this one seventh of my life. And that's a grave mistake because the Bible has something to say about every part of my life. It's not just a Sunday book, it's an everyday book. It shapes our identity. It lays before us a foundation it creates convictions in our hearts. It, it tells us what to do. It gives us practices to follow. It gives us habits to develop. It shapes how we do practical things like how we steward our finances. It shapes how we treat our physical bodies. It shapes how we are with the people in line with us at the grocery store. It shapes the person that I'm going to be in my family. It shapes the person that I'm going to be at my job, it speaks to every part of my life. It intersects with everything that I do. We don't want to compartmentalize. We want to allow God to infuse his word into every step that I take, every decision that I make, every word that comes out of my mouth. We should allow God to infuse his word into every part of us because we need his wisdom. We need his guidance. I don't know about you, but I've tried doing this life on my own. And when I decided to bring God into the equation, everything changed. The entire trajectory of my life changed. And there's truly no way that I can express how thankful I am that God intervened and had his way in my life. So you get to decide what difference is God's word going to make in your life? Are you gonna trust it? Are you gonna believe it? Are you going to apply it to your life? Are you gonna continue only reading it on Sundays? I don't, I don't know where you are. What difference is God's word gonna make in your life? I made the decision 11 years ago that I'm gonna trust it 
no matter what. And I can't even begin to describe the difference that his word has made in my life since then. But the reality is, I can't make you believe it. I'm not in that position. I'll leave that to the Holy Spirit. I believe that he invites us. He convicts us of our sin and he invites us into a relationship with God. It's a decision that we have to make. What difference is God's word going to make in your life? Here's what I can tell you. When you choose to believe it and when you choose to apply it to everything you do, it will change your life from the inside out. When you realize just how broken you are, when you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, when you understand his gift of salvation, when you believe that he died and rose again, it might sound crazy, but there are eyewitnesses to his life after the grave. Many of them were so sure of it that they died as martyrs to their faith. Christianity, if it was a movement, it would have died within a single generation, but it didn't. It thrived for centuries under persecution. It thrived for years under the rule of emperor after emperor after emperor in the Roman rule who did everything they could to rid the society of Christianity, but they lost. And now there are a couple billion people on the planet who believe in Jesus and have made the Bible the foundation for their lives. It's thrived. And on a very personal and practical note, my best days are not the days that everything goes right. My best days are not the days that I get to eat some delicious Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A. My best days are not the days when everything goes well and I don't have any bumps in the road because the reality is there are very few of those in our lives, right? My best days truly are the days that I wake up and spend time in God's word because it teaches me what is true. It rebukes the sin in my life. It corrects my thinking and it leads me in the way of righteousness and it will do the same for you if you allow it to. What difference is the Bible going to make in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you, Father, for giving us these 66 books of scripture to guide our lives. And we pray, Father, that your word would make a great difference in us. We pray, Father, that you would use your word to teach us your truth. We pray that you'd use your word to rebuke the sin in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would use your word to correct our thinking. And we pray, God, that you would use your word to train us and lead us in righteousness. Help us to treat your word, Father, with all of the the humility and the reverence that it deserves. Help us to not take it for granted. Give us all the desire, God, to spend more time in your word. We thank you that we have free access to it. We thank you, Father, for preserving it for us. We thank you for giving it to us so that we can learn more about you in the way that you intend for us to live our lives. Give us, Father, a deeper appreciation and a deeper hunger for your word. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today, maybe you're, you're watching online and up to this point you haven't believed in the truth of scripture. Maybe you've been going your own way for a long time and you're ready to make that decision to submit your life to the authority of God's word today. We find incredible hope 
in the good news of Jesus that's presented in scripture. And to sum it up very simply, it's that Jesus lived the life that you could not live. Right? We all fall short, we're all broken, we're all imperfect, we all sin, but Jesus lived the life that we could not live and he died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. Right? The wages of sin is death. We were destined to pay, but Jesus stepped in and took our place on the cross. He died the death that we deserve to die and then he rose from the dead to give us new life and if you call on his name, you will be saved. You'll be restored. You'll be made new both now and one day in eternity when we're in his presence. It sounds too good to be true, but that's what we know about Jesus in scripture. So if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna invite you and encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Church, let's make this our prayer together today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking for your forgiveness today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.